Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a 21-second pause from the Prime Minister when he's asked to comment on Donald Trump's threat to use military force against protesters. I'd like to ask you what you think about that, and if you don't want to comment, what message do you think you're sending? We all watch in horror and consternation what's going on in the United States. Questions over concerns about blowback from Donald Trump if Canada gets involved in the current situation south of the border. I think that it's really, really important for us to set our own house in order and for us to really be aware of the pain that anti-black racism causes here in our own country. Two of Canada's largest telecom companies announced partnerships with Huawei's European rivals. Perhaps the Chinese will be furious, but also perhaps they will realize they've overplayed their cards. It's Wednesday, June the 3rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. What did you make of the Prime Minister's 21-second pause, which has been much discussed uh, in in the past few hours since it happened, uh, after he was asked a question about Donald Trump's handling of the riots in America? Well, you, you almost have to think, you know, well, you have to allow for the possibility that it was all intentional and staged and part of, a you know, the Liberal Party show. But at the same time, it, I think it does reflect the extreme difficulty of world leaders in dealing with Trump and the Trump administration and what's going on in the United States, uh, you know, where Trump takes everything so personally and just loves to find offense or any indication of disrespect. And then he goes and tries to, you know, get revenge. So every country, and I think especially Canada in some ways, has to be careful about the uh, positions of its leaders and the um, statements that are made just so that uh, um, it's not seen as something flippant or or directly in your face to Trump. But uh, uh, I think I think it did say a lot about the just the difficulty of understanding the right way to deal with the United States in this era of Donald Trump. Trudeau, of course, could not have been surprised about the question. It was inevitable he was going to be asked. But what are some of the considerations that Canada has right now? And what should our what should the message be from our political leaders? Because obviously uh, we can condemn racism in the United States, but there is racism in Canada as well. The prime minister has acknowledged that. So what kind of uh, response should we be uh, providing? Well, you know, every country that calls itself a democracy has to work harder on on this. I mean, it it has to be in the schools. It has to be in every workplace and in the messaging of the government. It's it's attitudes among people that matter the most. And, uh, you know, our books, like the laws of our country, are, are pretty clean in that regard. You can't discriminate against someone based on their race, their race or, or religion, you know, uh, that sort of thing, culture. Um, but it's the daily little bits of discrimination and the attitudinal uh, uh, problems that are out there. And I think a lot of 
Canadians of, you know, African descent or, or indigenous people, Asian people who've come to Canada feel this every day in their lives. I mean, I, I think this is a good time to listen to what Jagmeet Singh has to say. Uh, here's someone who is extremely articulate and passionate about the subject and insightful about it, and he's experienced uh, uh, the sort of slow-boiling racism his whole life. So, uh, you know, we should look to people who represent leadership in these areas and and take to heart what they say. And I hope every parent uh, is taking a message from what they're seeing in the United States and trying to transport that into our lives here in Canada, uh, because it's just it's it's a horror and it's a crime. And what we're seeing in the U.S. is is an extreme reaction to it. Um, but it's boiling below the surface in Canada every day, too. What does this mean for future Canada-U.S. relations? There have been people saying already that because of Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic and for other reasons that we should either be distancing ourselves from the United States or or counting on America less as an ally in the future. What do you see as the, as the long-term trajectory here? This has the Trump era, the Trump administration, administration, the Trump presidency, has has shown uh, the holes in the Canada-U.S. relationship. It's shown the areas of weakness. I mean, the, uh, you know, him imposing, uh, you know, economic tariffs on our uh, exports, the, uh, the silly song and dance over the sort of very uh, superficial reform of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, you know, our diplomatic problems, problems in NATO, uh, it just rings on and on and on. And, and there's no, you know, global leadership anymore from the United States. So Canada has to find its own way with its own allies, <clears throat> pardon me, around the world, uh, in Europe, but in, in Asia, Africa, everywhere. And I mean, I think there's a nod toward that today where the prime minister uh, we'll be uh, meeting with a, a group of smaller countries, African, Caribbean, uh, Pacific states, uh, in order to come up with something that resembles a global approach to coming through this uh, pandemic uh, crisis, both the health and the economic crisis. The Americans are not going to be there anymore to uh, present leadership. And even after Trump is gone, I think the lesson for Canada and so many countries that have been longtime allies and partners of the U.S. is to proceed very carefully, you know, uh, to do as, uh, I don't know if he coined it, but to do what Nixon used to say, you know, trust but verify. And uh, these are, these are uh, uh, new ways of looking at the world that have emerged because of the collapse of American global uh, leadership. So this is something that has to happen, and Canada has to face this uh, now. There's no, you know, there's no way around it. You mentioned the fact that the Prime Minister will be among the leaders and heads of state to speak today during a virtual summit of the Organization of African, Caribbean, and Pacific States. Uh, to a large extent, the response to the pandemic has been country by country. Is there room for a more coordinated effort globally? I think there has to be, you know, the, the, you know, the world has done other things. I mean, you know, we've arranged uh, methods of, of global trade. Uh, you know, diplomacy has been carried out, uh, you know, fairly successfully over the years on a whole bunch of different levels. We haven't had a global war situation since the end of the Second World War. 
Um, so, you know, things can be done. It's, it's The world doesn't have to stand there and go, well, every man grabbed for themselves. And, uh, you know, Canada has a historical record going back generations of working this way with other uh, medium powers and, uh, and other countries in order to achieve common goals. So it's not a miracle cure. The world isn't going to ride in. And there are many, many problems with these multilateral organizations. But they are what we have now. And this is a crisis. This is not a time to reinvent the wheel. This is a time to get on with it with what we've got and make the best of it. All right, let's turn to the Huawei, uh, because two Canadian telecom giants yesterday struck deals with European countries uh, for their 5G networks, uh, for some of the technology behind them. What do you think that means in the context of the ongoing discussion over Huawei in Canada? And, of course, over the, the, uh, the bigger story in behind that, Canada's relationship with China. Well, um, yes, the, you know, Picking European suppliers for these 5G systems uh, does suggest that Canada has turned a page to some degree on the relationship with China. I mean, China's been trying to bully Canada, has been bullying Canada. It's taking our citizens hostage, um, you know, when Canada, when Canadian officials have, have just carried on their normal legal requirements under the extradition treaty in the case of Meng Wanzhou, who, of course, is... Uh, you know, part of the Huawei controlling family. Um, you know, it is fortunate, and I don't know, I think maybe later it'd be a good topic for a, a book or a long piece of investigative journalism to find out whether it was the government pushing the telecom co- uh, companies or whether it was the other way around. I mean, it could just be BCE and TELUS saying, look, we, we this is there's too much chaff, too much smoke in the air trying to deal with Huawei. Let's go with the trusted European suppliers they've been dealing with for, for many years and and move along from that and just take the safer route. Um, you know, perhaps the Chinese will be furious, but also perhaps they will realize they've overplayed their card. And Canada and uh, other democratic countries don't have to be pushed around by the bullies in Beijing. So, uh, you know, it's uh, not making big statements, not waving flags around, but quietly going about the business. And uh, maybe the uh, the telecom companies have uh, have done Trudeau a favor here by just depoliticizing the issue and uh, letting the market decide, so to speak. This really says a lot, though. We, we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about uh, the relationship Canada has with the United States and, and how that might be evolving, uh, changing dramatically. Same thing with Canada's fractured relationship with China. Uh, these are the uh, two of the world economic superpowers. It, it suggests there's, there's a lot of global instability right now, doesn't it? Oh, tremendous amounts of it. I mean, when you pull the, you know, the sort of otherwise, I I mean, I don't want to cast the Americans as always the good guys, but they were sort of, in many ways, dealing with the West, the benign superpower, one that, you know, grabbed or, or took what it could for itself in trade and everything like that and diplomatically. But at the same time, in many ways, was was a force for for uh, good around the world. That's vanished. Uh, it is no longer doing that. And the Chinese uh, are actively moving in in many places around the world, not just Africa either, or or parts of Asia, but also in uh, in Europe, uh, where the Chinese are are uh, using their money and their influence, their trade power, 
to uh, make political inroads uh, in, in many places around the world. The Trump administration got out of the way and just is letting the Chinese move in to fill that vacuum. Um, Canada can't just fall out of the arms of the Americans and into the arms of the Chinese. It really has to find a middle path. Uh, you know, it, there are many like-minded countries around the world, you know, Europe, Scandinavia, Africa, Asia, where Canada, South America, where Canada can uh, build on long-term relations and really diversify its interests economically and politically. So, uh, you know, there's no Commonwealth, there's no British Empire anymore. Those gaps were created and filled by the Americans. Um, the Americans have moved out of the way, and the Chinese can't be trusted. So Canada really has to find uh, new relationships or to new ways of dealing with the relationships we have now. All right, Dan, great to have your thoughts on all of this today. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald. I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues Donald Trump just wants to watch the world burn. Coyne writes, Trump does things not because he believes in them, but because they make him feel good in the moment. It is all performative, invoking powers he does not have, pulling levers that are not connected to anything, just another grift to see him through the news cycle. The impression left is of someone deliberately stoking the flames, not for any good it would do the country, or even out of any self-interest, but just for the adolescent thrill of it. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues Donald Trump has hit the lowest point of the lowest presidency. The Star writes... With his country in pain, emerging from the COVID-19 lockdown only to enter a fresh nightmare of police killing, protest and riot, Donald Trump offered the opposite of leadership and solace. He found the freshest wound and rubbed salt into it, all for naked political gain. By now, we know Trump is willing to say anything, do anything, go lower than anyone thought possible, if it serves his political ends. Morality, even simple decency, isn't part of his equation. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues Justin Trudeau's 21 seconds of silence said everything about Canada's reaction to Donald Trump. Martin writes, No American president has ever shown the capacity to take politics so personally. His allies know the economic cost for incurring his wrath isn't worth the political benefit of saying the right thing. Trudeau can't keep saying nothing when asked about Trump, but for at least one day, he managed to condemn without commentary, to convey disgust without decibels, and to muffle any Trump backlash without saying a word. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will deliver remarks during a virtual summit of the heads of state and government of the Organization of African, Caribbean and Pacific States. Then he will attend the sitting of the Special Committee on the COVID-19 pandemic and the Liberal caucus meeting. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference ahead of this week's House of Commons sitting. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will speak at a news conference in Ottawa. And Elizabeth May, the leader of the Green Party, will speak about the ongoing unrest in the United States. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June the 3rd. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.